What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. One-on-one conversations with some of your favorite artists. Find this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Spreaker.com. What Else with Corey Mann on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Welcome, everybody, to episode 102 of Disney Plus Reviews. I'm Phil Souza, and I'm here with my good friend and co-host. He's giving, he's jolly, and he works very hard one day a year. It's Grant Youngsman. What's up, Grant? Wouldn't that be great, Phil, if you just worked hard one day a year? I mean, you kind of already do this, like in in your real life? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Not quite. No, you, you you work very hard at your school. Plus, you do coaching, and I know that keeps you pretty busy. Yeah. No, it would be awesome. I I don't know about like this the strenuousness of and the the um uh like there's a lot writing on like you have to deliver presents to every single boy and girl in one night. Like that would be very very stressful. Yeah, so. for sure. And he's not like I don't know. We'll get into the Santa Claus. I love that movie. We're gonna talk. I'm sure be just real giddy as we talk about it but we'll talk about that maybe towards the end of the show today we're talking we're reviewing the santa claus yes the 1994 tim allen movie and uh so something old something new we're gonna do the new episode of hawkeye episode uh three i almost said four um and uh, we've got some other fun things planned we'll do uh, another buddies film review here in a little bit uh, from our friends Rick Ives. Uh, we'll talk about what else we've been watching on Disney Plus at the end of the show. But we like to start off with news of the week, Disney Plus news. Uh, Grant, did you see anything that you wanted to talk about? Yeah. Um, I mean, this one will be pretty short because neither of us have seen this movie or this show. And also... I don't think either of us really considered watching the show when it came out. So probably won't have too much on it. But we did see that Turner and Hooch has been canceled after one season on Disney+. And for those of you that don't remember, it's kind of like a spinoff show off the original where I think the main guy is uh, Turner's son, something like that. Yeah. If somebody's seen it, they can fill it, <laughs> it fill us in on it. But um, I know uh, Josh Peck was the main character, and uh, yeah, Gain kicked off Disney Plus after one season. Yeah, that's um, I I uh, I saw this news article and I was just like, wow, that's that's kind of newsworthy. Like, that's not very common. Like, you don't see Disney Plus canceling mm-hmm. a lot of shows. Uh, in fact, shows that. I didn't would have thought would even not. I mean, I thought the What If series was a slam dunk because it's just a one off. Like we're not going to see any more content. I thought Wandavision uh, one off. You know, we'll not see any spin off shows or anything. Mm-hmm. 
we're going to get an Agatha Harkness show. Like I, like they love to bring shows back. Um, Mandalorian was so good when Disney plus first launched two years ago, but I mean, it wasn't guaranteed that that show was coming back either. Mm -hmm. And now we're, you know, going into our third season. So yeah, it's, I hate to say this because you know, we're kind of ripping on a show we haven't even seen, but, um, it is very strange for them to cancel. So, um, so Reginald Val Johnson, who, um, Let's see. I think he's he must be the main character. Um, I don't know. That may not be right. But this is what he said because he's on the show and this is what he talked about. He said, as far as I know, they're trying to sell it to another network or something like that. I don't think that will fly. But yeah, uh, that's what I heard. But as of now, it's not going to be picked up. I don't think it was fun to do. And working with the actors was great fun. And I hope and I hope so. Whatever they decided to do with it, it's okay. I enjoyed I enjoyed doing the sequel and hopefully we'll have some time to do it again. But if not, I was glad for the experience. So, um, yeah, uh, kind of sad for those people that like put their blood, sweat and tears into that. Um, you know, we're getting a, a third high school, the musical, the musical, the series, uh, mm-hmm. but not a second season of the Turner and Hooch show. But I will say, and again, I, I don't mean to be too mean on the show, but like it just, I was never going to watch the show. Like yeah. it, it is, it seemed like a strange one to bring back. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, either love the original film that Tom Hanks was in and want to see more in that universe, or you've never heard of the film, never seen it. I'm, I'm thinking, you know, for a new generation, this is probably not what the current generation is looking for. Yeah. So it's probably was mostly watched by people that were, are older. Like yeah, you would in, think. In their 40s and 50s that love the original movie. So Or kids of uh, parents who grew up on that movie. Yeah. And wanted to <clears throat> introduce it to their kids. Yeah. And I'm sure it was fun. Like, you know, I saw a few clips and, you know, it's it's animal fun and silliness and goofiness and stuff like that. And, you know, I'm sure the acting's really good. I, Disney Plus doesn't do anything halfway. Like, I'm sure it's really good stuff. But, yeah, I don't know. I I... I have a feeling that it that it needed to do more. Like they saw the numbers come in and they weren't happy. Yeah. So I that's probably it. Um, my news story, and this will be similarly, I think, a kind of a quicker one, but um, it's I guess kind of uh, a cousin to the the last story. But um, Hawkeye, this isn't necessarily the story. This the the article is from Screen Rant, and it's the 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 title of the article. I'll just read it. It says why Hawkeye is Disney Plus's least watched live action MCU show. I had seen previously that the ratings have not been stellar for mm. this show for Hawkeye. We're going to be talking about episode three here in a little bit. Um, so that's not necessarily the news, the news story. Although, I mean like when MCU just says we have, you know, poor ratings, it's still better than like everything else they've probably done the entire year. Like their were their worst ratings are probably still better than, uh, no offense, Mighty Ducks Game Changers, which we loved. Like, I mm-hmm. love that show. But Hawkeye's numbers are probably, I, I haven't looked, but I would assume they're even better than that show. But of the four shows that we've gotten this year, Hawkeye's number four, as far as in the ratings department. And they, what the article is, is talking about, and I think it's kind of an interesting discussion, is why? Like, why, why would this show be the one that doesn't do as well? It's going into the holiday season where a lot of people are watching more TV. It's getting cold outside. People are staying indoors. Why is this the show that people aren't watching of the of the four? And when I say aren't watching, it's still like their first episode had like 1.5 million (laughs) viewers. So like again, their numbers aren't terrible, but of the four, it is the lowest. So uh, here's some of the numbers. It says 
let's see. Uh, so they spent $25 million each episode. Think about that. $150 million for the series. Uh, 1.5 million households turned it, tuned in for the premiere in its first five days. It went down from there to 1.3 million for the second episode. And uh, Loki, just Loki, its first five days was 2.5 million viewers, almost double yeah. what Hawkeyes is. So that's what we're talking about. Falcon and Winter Soldier was 1.8. WandaVision was 1.6. You kind of give WandaVision a little bit of a pass because it was the first one out of the gate. Mm-hmm. And it looked weird, I think, to a lot of people. Uh, otherwise, I think that, that WandaVision's numbers would have been even higher. But yeah, 2.5 million for the last one. And then yeah. this one is just not hitting it. So here are the four. And then, you know, if you can think of another one or we can discuss these. But here are the four ideas, reasons that they say. Uh, one, Hawkeye is a smaller MCU story. It's not as big in scope as the other stories that we've gotten, you know, glo- globe traveling or going to like time varying authority or whatever. Um, Hawkeye is less necessary MCU view- viewing. And I think what they're talking about is it's not telegraphing anything major to come. Like it's, we're not going into multiverse here. It's just, you know, it's, it feels like you could skip this one and be okay. Um, fans are suffering from Marvel overload. I think that's debatable. Um, That's their third reason we can talk about that. And then uh, fourth one, Hawkeye isn't the most popular Avenger, which is kind of funny because they kind of actually tease, like they kind of Mm -hmm. make fun of themselves in the show. Like in Hawkeye, they talk about that, about how he's not very popular. But um, I don't know what, what of those four, what do you think is the most interesting or, you know, most spot on, or do you have one? I I mean, it's not the overload because I, yeah, I don't think so either. Yeah. We just came off what if. Like, there's been other mm-hmm. shows too. Uh, I would say the one, and I feel like you could also use this with Black Widow, is it's kind of kind of head scratching why we're getting this now. Where yeah, they're really. I mean, obviously, Black Widow's kind of being written off now, and uh, anything that happens in the Black Widow realm will most likely be Yelena. Um, and Hawkeye is kind of in the same boat as Black Widow, where this is kind of Jeremy Renner's swan song. Yeah, although I did see an article. I, I don't know what's true. You know, it's hard to tell what's actually true when you read the news. But um, what, another article I read was saying that like they have more planned for him. Like yeah. it's rumor. I, I don't know if that's actually going to happen. Um, but they're saying like they'll use him again. Yeah. In, like future movies. But I agree with you that this is probably his, the, this is the biggest thing he'll, he will do maybe ever. Like fr- from this point forward, there won't be like a major role for him mm-hmm. going forward. So, um, it is the introduction, introduction of a new character, which you, th- you would think people would tune in for, um, but maybe people aren't necessarily interested in this character, like a you know, like the second coming of a, a you know, of an arrow shooter kind of character. Um, I don't know if that's playing into it or not. Although I think Haley Seinfeld is great. Like mm-hmm. I, I think she's really knocking it out of the park as that character. Um, I, th- I think we'll talk. We'll get into a review of episode three, but we talked about episode one and two not not in the best light. Like I think the story has been kind of suffering, but I, I do think it picks up a little bit in three, but. Um, but yeah, maybe that's part of it too, that people heard it's you know, not as good as the other stuff. Um, although we, we may be in the minority on that. I, I'm not aware of what other people are saying about it. So, 
Um, I agree with the, the one about less necessary MCU viewing. Like how could you not watch Loki knowing what's coming up with like King the Conqueror and multiverse and like all the stuff that they're doing. Honestly, even what if is kind of necessary. Like they're definitely setting up Spider-Man and Dr. Strange and stuff like that with that, with that animated show. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, Hawkeye definitely feels like, yeah, you could probably skip it and not miss out too much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't think the overload thing is correct. I do think the Hawkeye being not, you know, the least popular Avenger maybe plays into it a little bit, but I also know a lot of people that really like his character a lot. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, none of the characters have been frontline characters. Like, you know, we, um, probably the biggest character was winter soldier or Falcon, I guess. Um, but, um, that's not, that's kind of not the point. Like the point of these shows is to give limelight to people that aren't big characters in the MCU. So I don't yeah. know that that would play into it very much, but anyway, um, I, I do wish the best for the show and I want to see it, uh, end really well and, mm-hmm. and do, and do well in ratings yeah, and stuff like sure. that. Um, I just know that the numbers haven't been good so far. So, all right, a couple downer news stories for you this week. Um, all right. Uh, before we get into the first review, Hawkeye episode three, uh, I have another buddies film review for you, Grant. So, um, Here's a here's one that's very appropriate for our uh, kind of topic of today. Santa Buddies, 2009. This is uh, Rick Ives, who's been on the program as a guest and um, has written into the show several times before. A good good friend of the show uh, has been reviewing these. So if you missed the last couple, go back and listen to those episodes. They're really funny. Um, so this is his uh, adult review. He watches these movies with his kids, of course, uh, of Santa Buddies. Tis the season. In the new next installment, audiences were begging for back in 2009, just nine months after the release of Space Buddies, and yet somehow we've taken an enormous step backward in visual effects. This stuff look, looks like it's from a teenager's laptop in 1995. Also, somehow their puppies have not aged a single day in the last nine months. The plot here revolves around a melting North Pole due to the world's Christmas spirit waning. Of oh, course. no. Oh, what are we going to do? Uh, see, Santa has a main doggo, Santa Paws. Of ha- course he does. <laughs> who has a son, Puppy Paws. I, don't, I have a feeling he's not making this up. Who decides to run away and is captured by an evil dog catcher before our regular cast of puppies have to, you know what? It really doesn't matter. Just sit back, relax, and watch Christmas be saved. Luckily, the, bad, the buddies have already learned to pull a sled. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Are all these little golden retrievers in all these movies, how can you possibly know which one is which? Well, let me tell you. Every single one of these movies involves a gather the team sequence in act one. It kind of reminds me when he's talking about this kind of reminds me of Paw Patrol, which okay. you've probably never seen, but it's, it's similar to that where they all have identities, uh, gather the team sequence in act one and they all have a complex multi-layered personalities. Okay. That part's a lie, but here's the rundown. <laughs> Mudbud is one of the dogs always muddy. Oh, Buddha, super Zen Buddhist fat. <laughs> no. Okay. Good guess though. Um, I mean, that could be. He doesn't say that. Uh, B-Dog loves hip-hop, basketball, and wears a giant blinging bee around his neck. Okay. Butterball. <laughs> two Ds, I think, is how he spells it. Butterball. Uh, well, that makes sense because it's Bud. Um, owned by a super rich family and is always hungry, wears a football jersey and black eye. <laughs> Rosebud. They're all kind of spin, spins on. It's like Buddha, Buddha, you know, Mud Bud. Uh, Rosebud, our token manic pixie dream puppy with a bow on her head. 
Little people don't get enough work in film these days, and it was nice to see them collecting a few paychecks here, even if they were mostly regulated to the North Pole. Also, once again, Disney has kidnapped some stellar talent and seemingly forced them at gunpoint to read lines in front of a camera. Uh, George Wentz and Tim Conway are slumming it here. That's one thing that I'm interjecting here. That was one thing that was surprising about the other ones, the other reviews that we read. I'm like, these actors are in these movies. These are like straight to video films. Yeah. They must be, it must be like charity work for them or something. I don't know. It's the pay can be great. Uh, the big surprise was Christopher Lloyd. Oh my. Turning in a performance that will leave you feeling, dare I say something anyway, five out of five puppies next. That's the end of the review. Um, we'll have another Santa themed, uh, buddies film review next week. I'm excited about that one too. So keep those coming, right? Rick, we love them. All right. Hawkeye episode three. Um, I'll, I guess I'll jump in real quick first and then let you go as okay. long as you want. That's fine. Um, this is, this episode turned up for me. Like it, it's, it's starting to trend. I'm, I'm starting to ride the excitement train a little bit higher now. Um, it's, it's still not, I don't think this episode is still as good as anything that we saw from Loki or, um, it might be on, it might be starting to get a little bit on par with Falcon and winter soldier for me. Um, after a very disappointing first couple episodes, uh, episode three was starting to go, okay, I see what you're doing show. Like I'm starting to kind of enjoy this a little bit. So, uh, that's just kind of my general thoughts, but, um, why don't you give your general thoughts and then just start talking about the episode? Yeah. Um, I would definitely say that after watching this show, I'm definitely more intrigued. Um, I definitely see potential, um, with this show going forward. There is a huge, uh, Marvel character that we're led to believe is going to show up in the show, which I'd say it's pretty accurate that this character will appear. We can talk about that in a little bit. Um, yeah, we're doing full spoilers for the episode. Um, yeah. So, yeah, turn away now, I guess, if you haven't watched it. But, and yeah. so I feel like with that character, it's definitely intriguing what uh, Kevin Feige and Marvel will decide to do with this character because it's really the first time in the new MCU that we're going to see this character. And... But, I mean, still, the one thing is, Yelena, still, nowhere to be found, mm-hmm. and we have three episodes left. Yeah. I, so, I feel like that is such a disappointment from the show. Haven't we kind of sung that song before? Like, I all, yeah. the, all almost all the shows have been that way. Like, um, with Loki, it was like you know, where's, where's the, the big, you know, the big bad or whatever of this time variant authority, uh, company, you know, we really don't even get to see, um, Oh, what's her name? The, the girl, uh, I want to keep wanting to call her Sophia, but that's not right. Um, the girl that he, he, he teams up with Loki teams up with, uh, no. she's Loki in her own universe. Yeah. Uh, Sylvia, Sylvia, or yeah. Sylvie. <laughs> yeah. I keep wanting to call her Sophia, which yeah. is close, but yeah, not Sylvie. Um, you know, Sylvie doesn't really jump in until like the second half of the show. And um, was it, uh, yeah, fucking in Winter Soldier, we were trying to look for, um, um, not Peggy Carter. The power broker. Yeah. Well, Sharon Carter. We were also looking for Sharon Carter because she had been teased on the trailers and stuff like that, but she's like nowhere to be found for like the first three episodes. So um, I, I, I mean, I think what they're doing is 
giving you something exciting. You know, we got to, you know, we're not going to just spill all the beans in the first yeah. episode. Like we want to keep you bringing back and the promise of a future character coming into the show is what keeps you coming back for the next episode. But I don't know. Like I, I'm just like, dude, this, the show's already halfway over. Yeah. And so. it's almost like with, um, the reveal of, you know, we're going to get Kingpin in the show. Yeah. And he kind of overshadows Yelena at this point. What's your, I know we don't, we try to get, not to get too overhyped and stuff like that on these shows. Uh, Cause we've been burns on that <laughs> specifically yeah. with WandaVision. But what, what do you think they're going to do? Mm, well, one article that I have read is Kingpin is the new person that owns the Avengers tower. Okay. And so I'm, I really, I mean, this could have some tie-ins with Spider-Man because I know they want to bring in Daredevil too. So I would be so hyped for that, by the way. Um, I'm interested to see what direction they go with, but, um, Kingpin's already been casted and he's been a long rumor for the Hawkeye show. Yeah. And, I mean, I would say we'll get Kingpin. I mean, it might not be till the last episode, but my assumption is that we'll get him at least for one episode in this show. Yeah. Yeah, and you might not even like... They they might not even fight him or anything. He could just be kind of the shadowy figure. I mean, yeah, a lot of the rumors are kicking up because of there's been little Easter eggs here and there. Like they go... If they go in, they one of the backdrops to one of the sets is Fat Man Auto Repair or yeah. something like that. Like they're starting to give you some teasers. The the big we'll talk about it in, in depth here in a second. But the big action scene in the middle of this of this episode is that car chase, right? Mm-hmm. Where like there's a camera in the back seat and it's like spinning 360 degrees around and this big long one shot. It's like two and a half minutes without any cuts, right? And that's what Daredevil's famous for. Like the the Netflix show did that famously like three or four minute long one cut action set set pieces. And so, you know, a lot of people are like, uh, you know, the writing's on the wall. It's obviously in hell's kitchen. It's obviously daredevil territory. Like, you know, this is going to happen. And again, I try not to get too hyped up, but I mean, if I'm being honest, I would love that. Um, yeah. So a lot of people are saying it's Vincent D'Onofrio because he he tweeted something a month, month or two ago or whatever saying like, this is going to be fun. Hawkeye, this is going to be fun. That doesn't mean he's in it. I mean, he might just be excited to see something that's happening around a project that he used to do. But yeah, it could mean he's in it as a character. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd like to see Vincent come back because I, I think he was great. Like really, really good at that as that character. And I don't remember the actor's name, but the guy who played Daredevil in that show is phenomenal. And mm-hmm. he's like really good. I don't know how much of his own stunts he was doing, but I think he was doing a lot of like the, the fight action se- sequences. And he's really good. Um, he's kind of a Shang-Chi kind of kind of fighter. You know, very mm-hmm. good hand-to-hand combat kind of guy. And so I'd love to see... I'd just love to see his character at all in the MCU. And we just haven't gotten that officially. Yeah. So, but again, how do you balance... Like, the whole point of the show is to say, here's Kate. Like, we want to get you mm-hmm. to get to know Kate. So that they're going to bring in Daredevil, like, from Netflix. They're going to bring in Kingpin from Netflix. Like, that's that seems like a bad idea. Yeah. I don't... I don't really think we'll get Daredevil, but I mean, I would say it's 
pretty for sure that will get Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, he um, would, because there is someone above Maya. And we'll talk about Maya. We, we haven't even talked to her about her yet. But like they're saying, like, oh, Maya's the top of the food chain, and they're saying no. Like there's there's actually someone above her. Yep. So there's that one scene. Let's get into Maya a little bit because she's really kind of centerpiece of mm-hmm. most uh, half the episode at least. But there's that one scene where she's a little girl and uncle is what they call him comes by to like, you know, pay his condolences or whatever. And he grabs her cheek, but we don't see him. So it's just his hand. Right. And you know, his, you know, his arm, his, you know, it's like, okay, well that looks like King Kingpin's arms. Like, okay, that could be a lot of people, but that that's a lot of it is like, people are like, Oh, that's gotta be him. That's gotta be him. Yeah. So what do you think of Maya's um, backstory? The whole like deaf thing i think is is really intriguing yeah i think that's really cool um it's we kind of saw it in in eternals but not not this in depth yeah so um i'm definitely i enjoy maya's character um and i think it's cool because she also has a prosthetic leg yeah so and she definitely can hold her own in any sort of fight so i'm very intrigued with her character and I think it's really cool how she does the signing and all that. And I'm very, like her backstory was very cool. Um, It was cool to see her upbringing through that. And obviously I don't think she's the main bad guy. But I think as far as kind of like a hench person... I feel like she goes pretty well with Taskmaster in uh, Black Widow, similar to that yeah. type of character. So I'm I'm interested to see how they use her going forward. But, I mean, for this episode, I mean, she did a good job. I was impressed with the character. Yeah, I think she's a great actress. Um, I like the connection that she has with Hawkeye with Clint mm-hmm. um, he's not deaf but he's going deaf like he's they they teased it I think even in the first episode they were talking about well yeah because his son is like signing to him and stuff yeah. like that um, he wears a hearing aid now because of all the, just the trauma he's done made to his ears like in Age of Ultron and other movies like he's, his hearing has just gotten completely destroyed from all these things exploding around him and so because of that, he was not like he's born deaf, but he can kind of identify with her a little bit. Mm-hmm. He doesn't know how to sign, which she kind of actually is angry about. Like, yeah, there's that one scene where he's in, you know, chains or whatever. And she's like, um, you know, like you, it's, it's almost like a, you, you haven't earned the right to wear that hearing aid. Like you don't know how to sign. Like this isn't something that, you know, you're, you're basically like, you know, treating a handicap and it's your strength is, you know, your lack of hearing is your strength now, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so, you know, she has a lot of disdain for him just, you know, knowing that he's like posing, you know, and, and Mm -hmm. trying to treat his deafness with, with, you know, technology and stuff like that, as opposed to just embracing that culture. Um, so I, I don't know. Their connection is interesting to me. It's not, we haven't seen a lot of interaction with them and we may not get a whole lot left in in the last three episodes, but, um, this is one of the first shows that they've done where like, I feel like 
the two characters. I mean, I guess you could say that about Agatha and, and uh, Wanda, but like the two characters are definitely linked. Like they they have a lot in common. Um, yeah, I I feel like they they were really two sides of the kind of the same coin. Mm-hmm. A lot of people say that about like Batman and Joker. Like you know, um, just one bad day is the only difference between those two guys. Um, and it kind of seems like that way with, with her as well. So yeah. I wonder how much more backstory we'll get. Cause like they didn't really show us. It's like a um, kid, you know, kid stuff of her like growing up, you know, in school and yep. has, she had to go to um, public school cause they couldn't afford to go to the deaf school. And I've heard that like the, the dad is in more episodes. So like, I think we'll, we'll get some more backstory in episode four and five, but all we know so far is that she basically had to like, hide her deafness Mm -hmm. to just kind of like get through life and fit in. And, um, that kind of speaks to, but doesn't really fully explain her powers. Like she, like you said, taskmaster, she basically has like taskmaster like powers where she can echo is like her, you know, super villain name. Echo can like basically echo. She, she sees like the karate scene when she's a kid, she sees a kid do a certain move and then she can just do it. Yeah. She doesn't have to practice it. So, yeah, I think it's cool. It's it is we're talking about Daredevil. It's it's sim, it's similar to Daredevil. Like, does does Daredevil have a superpower? Kind of not really. Like he he can't see anymore, and he has to you know he has like the um, echolocation type mm-hmm. of thing where like he can hear like he can make out almost like bats can do like where they can make out physical objects based on sounds yeah. bouncing off things. So I guess that's kind of his superpower, but. I mean, for the most part, it's like he's t- he's turned his weakness into a strength, mm-hmm. and now he can fight you know really well in the dark and stuff like that because he doesn't need to see anyways. Yeah, very much. So it's similar to that, I think, for her. Like she she's had to live her life by sight. So and sight is everything to her because she can't hear. She's the opposite of Daredevil, mm-hmm. um, and so she um, you know sees things and then can mimic those. So and again, that's that's a lot of the reason for the rumors for Daredevil is like Daredevil fights Echo in the comics and the Hawkeye run from 2015 involves these characters like Kingpin and stuff like that. So it seems like that's where we're headed. But um, again, we, we were so grant. We were so sure about Quicksilver and WandaVision. I just want to, just want to remember, remind all of our listeners that like we knew that this is going to be the introduction of the multiverse. <laughs> yeah. So um, what else? Uh, let, you want to talk about that, that incredible, I think that the combat scenes are really good. There's like mm-hmm. the, they're throwing like toys at each other and stuff yeah. in that back out uh, back area. And then uh, we can talk about the car chase scene, but I think it's, I think they really stepped it up as far as yeah, action. For sure. Um, this definitely, this episode as a whole definitely felt more like Marvel than the first two episodes did. Yeah. And um, I definitely feel like, if people were unsure of this show after the first two episodes, I would say watching the third episode would bring some hope back to the show. Yeah. Because, I mean, without a doubt, this is the best one we've gotten so far. Um, the car chase scene is phenomenal. Um, Caitlin and I were watching this like about an hour to two hours ago. And we were both very impressed. I mean, Caitlin, the only thing she said was that she could tell that they used a green screen with that. But 
Um, I agree. Overall, I mean, it definitely had adrenaline pumping and it was exciting. It was cool to see all the different types of arrows that Hawkeye possesses. Dude, the, his his uh, quiver of, of trick arrows is so fascinating to me. And we've we've gotten to see some of the like explosive arrows and stuff in some yep. of the movies. But um like the the goo, the goo arrow or whatever they call it. She calls it a play doh arrow. Yeah. Um and um I guess we've probably seen him do like the um grapple arrow probably in a movie somewhere. I'm just forgetting it. But like there were definitely some arrows that she was shooting where I was like, I've never seen that before. Like it's yeah. pretty cool. Very cool. And I mean, we've already touched on this in our last episode, but the whole thing with Christmas music going on. Yeah. It's just cool. Yeah. It does have a, a it's a, it's almost like a, it's not a, creepy is not the right word. It's like a, it, 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 uh, it feels urban. Like it, it's when you think of Christmas movies, you think of Hallmark, you know, like yeah. sappiness. Right. And that's just not what this is. Like it's, you know, you're listening to, um, nutcracker music, whatever, as they're like bashing people's skulls and stuff yeah. like this. It's, it has more of like a diehard kind of feel to it in that way. So, um, I really liked the spider. I'm just calling it the spider arrow. I don't know what it was called. It's like a multi grapple. Basically she fires that thing and it like shoots all these tendrils out and it grabs all the Christmas trees yeah. <laughs> around them and just swarms that car. That was really cool. Um, talk about the, the pin arrow though. I thought that was awesome. Yeah, that was uh, very cool where he basically tells uh, Kate to just shoot an arrow up and he's going to shoot one too. And basically Hawkeye's arrow basically like engulfs uh, Kate's and it turns into basically like a missile. <laughs> and I mean, that was crazy. <laughs> yeah. It basically like, you know, giant man from, you know, um, ant-man civil war and stuff like that yeah, yeah. It, it basically does that i which i didn't know that they could do that um yeah I, maybe that's canon and i just don't remember but like that you could just take like an inanimate object i mean i guess you can if it's if you can make a suit big you can make an arrow big i guess but yeah it was <laughs> it was like a missile drop like a freaking bomb on that on that van and just I yeah. explode i mean it just pummeled that thing so yeah that was awesome and then the grapple arrow to swing under the bridge and land on the train. I'm like, okay, we're we're now in full like Falcon and Winter Soldier territory as far as action. Like, mm-hmm. I I was on board and like you know, clenching my my fingers as I was watching. I was like, this is cool. Like, yeah. I'm, I I don't know how they're gonna get out of this. And it feel it felt really. There were moments of uh, where you felt like they were in control of the of the scenario, firing you know bomb arrows and stuff like that and blowing things up. But there were other moments where I was like, oh my, like they probably won't get out of this alive, you know? So, um, yeah, it was really, really well done. I agree with the green screen thing. I, It's not like, um, it doesn't take me completely out of it because, I mean, we talked about $25 million an episode, but they make like movies for like $250 million in mm-hmm. a movie. Like, and I know it's a shorter, it's only 45 minutes as opposed to two and a half hours or whatever, but, you know, math-wise, like they're spending like a third um, yeah. of what they would normally spend. So I'm okay with it. I, it, I, it still looks really, really good for the budget that they're doing because they still have to pay, um, you know, the actors and the, all the set people. I'm sure there's yeah. hundreds and, of people on this. I mean, you got to think that these actors are raking in some good money with this. Yeah. 
so it, during the close, com- by, by the way, I forgot how good Hawkeye is in close combat. Like he's not even firing arrows and he's just kicking dudes butts left, yeah. left and right. Um, and you know, Haley Steinfeld's holding her own pretty well as Kate as well. Um, you know, uh, she needs help still, but is mm-hmm. still, you know, doing a pretty good job in combat. But when she kicks his hearing aid out and it drops and they have to like take him to the doctor and get a new one or whatever, I was like, that's cool. Like that, that was a really neat idea. Like you could tell she did that on purpose to like, you know, make him even for a few hours, live his life the way she lives, has lived her entire life. Like that was, that was a neat scene. Uh, and it was so funny when they went to that cafe afterwards, whatever. And he like, he got a new hearing aid or got fixed and he turns it off on purpose just so he doesn't have to listen to her chatter. <laughs> and she's like, what was that? Was that off the whole time? <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to talk about, cause I, we kind of teased this, uh, earlier in the, sh- in the podcast episode, but I wrote down this line, um, towards the end of the episode, they're talking and it's like one of the quieter moments where it's just the two of them just kind of, you know, theorizing about their lives and stuff like that. And Clint says, I'm not a role model to anyone. Um, I thought about that a lot. Like after watching the episode, that was one, that was one of the lines I kept mm-hmm. coming back to. Like he's kind of the anti cap or yeah. maybe anti Iron Man. Like those guys love to be in the limelight. They love, and I'm not saying this is a bad trait. It's just, I don't think that either one is bad. I think it's, it's just not what he wants to do. Like, I don't know. What's your take on it? Cause like cap is like, I'm going to wear the flag and represent America. And I feel like the, um, the line definitely goes back to his past. And I feel like the reason him and Natasha get along so well is they've both done things that they're not proud of. Oh yeah. Whatsoever. Um, Black Widow and her whole past with the widows and then um, Hawkeye and his whole past with Ronan. Yeah. They've killed a lot of people. They've hurt a lot of families because of it. Yeah. And I feel like that that's definitely why he feels like he isn't a hero or a role model. Yeah. I didn't even think about that. That's great. That totally makes sense too, because like she keeps quizzing. She, you can tell she's very interested in the identity of the Ronin, but he's—I mean—he's clearly not going to tell her it until maybe the final episode or the fifth episode. It'll come out at some point. Um, you, you would expect, but he's not ready to tell her, and so he's just like, "Look, just trust me. Like you don't want to be like me." <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, that's that's really good. Yeah, I I like that he's uh, this ghost. You know, he's like, I, I'm not the one that. Get, gives interviews after a fight, you know, that's Cap's job. Like let him do that stuff. Let him, you know, take the interviews mm-hmm. and be idolized by children everywhere. Um, I'm a ghost. Like I get in, I get out. I don't wear a big flashy costume. That's not who I am. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's cool. Um, let's see. We learn a bit, a little bit about Kazi. Who's the, um, like the second in command. Like, yeah. Which he's another daredevil character, isn't he? I, yeah, I think so. I, I I did a little bit of research after watching this episode, but I didn't have a lot of time. But yeah, I think he's in the comics, isn't he? Yeah, I think they both, Echo and Kazi, I think they both come from Daredevil. Okay. So he's, um, 
he's uh, obviously pretty dirty. He's been working for like Sloan Limited, which seems like a front, you know, like a front business for something bigger, illegal. Yeah. Yep. Um. So, and then they're trying to. What are they? What? What data are they looking for at the end of the episode? I can't remember. Is it data on Maya or da- data on the person the, above her? The person above her. Okay, because the there's like the uh, Bishop Security yep. Company mm-hmm. that her mom founded, or I mean, they run. Yeah, and they think that surely there's going to be some like some dirt on anybody. Yeah, and then they're looking for her mom's fiance's anything on him. Oh to yeah, see yeah. If there's any connection between these guys and then Hawkeye goes snooping around and there he is. Yeah. The ending of the episode was very abrupt for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like he basically just pulls a sword on him and um, I forget what he even says. He's like, you know, what are you guys doing here or whatever? And, and then credits roll. It's like, Oh, yeah. uh, that was the end. <laughs> so I would assume, I mean the episode as we're recording releases tomorrow. I would assume that they'll pick up right where they left off. Yeah. I don't know what the connection is with the dragon. They kept bringing up this dragon. Her dad dies in her arms and calls her little dragon. Um, There's a lot of talk when she's a kid, our dragon's real. And then he's talking about how they come from a different dimension, which I think is a direct reference to Shang-Chi. Yeah. Uh, I guess spoilers for that that movie if you haven't seen it, but um, you know, there's, uh, I don't know what that connection is. Maybe it's, just prominent in her character in the comics that yeah. she ha- wears like a dragon on her, you know, outfit or something. I, I, I know literally nothing about my, or from the comics. homage to, um, Chinese culture, stuff like that. Oh yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would kind of like to know a little bit more about that in episode mm-hmm. four. Like what's, what's the whole deal with the dragon. And I, in episode four, I think they need to at least give us more. I, again, I, uh, the, the actor that plays her dad, when she's a little girl um, and who later dies in another flashback is already billed for like the next couple episodes. Mm-hmm. So like I, we're going to get more. I, what I want to see next is what, what brings her into this, like, you know, the CD underworld um, yeah. with the tracksuit mafia and all those guys. I feel like four and five were probably, if you're following how these shows have gone four and five, there'll be a lot of stuff to unpack mm-hmm. and then six will be being the finale. It'll probably be more like the previous finales where you think we're going to get this huge grand finale and they'll probably be like smaller. Yeah. I, one big surprise that for me, at least halfway through the series is how little we still know about Kate. I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm truly shocked that they didn't go, more deep dive into her and her backgrounds. We did, we did get, you know, a very quick kind of, you know, battle of New York scene where she's a little mm-hmm. girl and we know a little bit about her family dynamic and how screwed up everything is. And that's kind of it. I mean, three episodes long and we've spent a lot of time with Clint. Mm-hmm. We spent, you know, in this last episode, a lot of time with the bad guy, Maya and some with Kazi. And, I, I'm I'm still shocked by how little we've seen Kate on yeah. screen. It's it's a it's just an interesting road that I probably wouldn't have taken. Um, but we'll see if it pays off. So and maybe she's in a lot of you know the last three episodes. But um, 
it seems like they're telling more of a Clint story, which I wasn't yeah. expecting that. They made a lot to do about her in the trailers. And um, I really feel like we're, we're more interested in, Cl- in following Clint's story here. So, but yeah, so I'm, I don't know if you have any other final thoughts. I, I'm, I'm just, I, I'm for the first time in the series intrigued to see what's yeah. next. I, I wasn't there last week. So. Yeah. I, I definitely am a lot higher on the show after watching this episode. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I realize why Marvel did that. I mean, that's why they released two episodes at once. But it's just kind of one of those things where I still feel like it's almost a waste. Yeah, I don't know why it takes so long for them to get the get these things rolling. Yeah, <laughs> I really don't. <laughs> um, and I will say that I don't think every show has done that. I think I think Loki just took off running from the mm-hmm. very first episode. I mean, by the end of the first episode, we know a ton about, about what's going on in that world and what yeah. they're doing, what the goal is. And you're going to help us Loki. And what, like, think about how much we learned in that first episode. And none of the other shows have done that. Mm-hmm. WandaVision for sure. Didn't do it. They, it took three episodes for them to get going. Um, Falcon and winter soldier was extreme. I mean, think about those early scenes with like on like the dock and the boats and stuff like yeah. that. Like it took them a long time to get rolling too. And, they seem to learn their lesson with Loki, but then we're right back to it with the show. I don't know. I don't understand it. Um, you know, get it, get us, get us rolling with action, get us rolling with some, you know, really deep character moments early so that we can get hooked. Um, the only reason that you and I are still hanging on is because we love these, we mm-hmm. love the, the comic book world that they've created. But I think your casual viewer probably bounced after the first couple episodes. We know that to be true because of the numbers. They were at 1.5 1. Yeah. on episode one and they had 200,000 people bail after yeah. that. So, um, and those episodes came out on the same day. <laughs> Think about that. So anyway, I, I'm definitely intrigued to see what's next. Um, we have to see Elena at, at some point. I think she, I think she was in the trailer for episode four. I, I saw like some rumors, uh, yeah, rumors about that. I, I briefed over, um, I think they released like a mid season trailer or something like that. And, okay. and she popped up in it. Okay. So if it's a mid season, it, it may not mean episode four. Yeah. I'm ready to see her, man. I love her from, she was, she was my easily my favorite, favorite yeah. character in the black widow movie. So yeah, I want to, um, give me more Yelena. Give me more of the, uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus character. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to know more about her too, but again, I don't know. It's, there's a certain point where it's too much. There are too many characters in a six episode story arc. Yeah, I hear you. We'll see. All right. Uh, it is the season, uh, Grant. We're talking about a Christmas movie this episode. Uh, the, in 1984, The Santa Claus came out. Um, you watched it tonight. I watched it earlier today, so it's pretty fresh in our minds. Uh, I loved this movie growing up. I remember seeing this in theaters with my parents. Um, I think I would, well, let's see, 94, I would have been fifth, uh, either. Well, yeah, sure. Oh, sure. hold on, Phil. Yeah. It says Florence Pugh is credited for three episodes. Oh, all three of the episodes. So, I mean, we haven't seen her in one, two and three. Yeah. So she should be in four five and six. Cool. That's, that, that's got me excited. Um, continue. Y- Yelena is a very interesting character. Yeah. If you watch the black widow movie, you know that already. So yeah, I'm, I'm very excited to see more of her and, in the second half. Yep. I, I think Kate is going to get very little screen time in the, in the just Probably. in the show in general. I think we may have already seen most of her screen time already. Um, she'll so, certainly be in every 
episode, but for sure, I, I just you're going to bring in Yelena, maybe bring I, almost certainly Julia Louis Dreyfus. She and he's she needs to at least connect the dots between Yelena and Hawkeye, which we saw a little bit of. Like, spoilers for Black Widow, we saw a little bit at the end of that movie, but I think we need more than what we saw at the end of Black Widow. And so, yeah, we're I don't know. It's going to be a lot to fit in. You know, Kingpin, Yelena is like, wow, there's a lot of characters in this. So, yep. Um, all right. I'm very excited to talk about Santa Claus. Um, I think I was 15. Uh, yeah. If it came out in holiday season 94, I was 15. I was like the prime age to, to go see this. I loved Home Improvement when the, when the movie came out. Um, loved Tim Allen. He was just so funny to me. And I just remember just cackling with my dad you know, watching him do all his silly antics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what, what, before I get into my general thoughts on it, you've seen this movie more than more times than I have. I've seen it like three or four times, but you've seen it a lot. Yeah. I've definitely seen this movie double digits. Um, this movie definitely, uh, gets the replay during the Christmas season along with the home alones, um, jingle all the way Christmas vacation and elf probably. Yeah, we we watch this movie at least once. I think Elf is definitely inspired by this movie. It, I think it does a lot more in the comedy department, obviously, clearly. But um, I, I think Elf. There's no way that the people that wrote Elf didn't have some inspiration from this movie. Yeah. Um, when did um? Well, I I just want to plant this seed, and then and then if we if it comes up, we can talk about it. But um, when did um, Robin Williams. Uh, what were we talk about? Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, when did Mrs. Doubtfire come out? Ninety three. Okay, I think, I think this movie is definitely. You want to talk about inspiration? I think it's definitely inspired by Mrs. Doubtfire in some ways. Yeah, I think it stands alone and and could fully exist in a world that doesn't have Mrs. Doubtfire. But there, there's definitely some connections to make. I think between the two dad characters and the two kids. Uh, in it and just how you know it's like divorced or going through a divorce situation and like um you know the dad the dad essentially like not proving his worth but like uh gaining an appeal with mm-hmm. his kids that he didn't previously have i think there's definite connections to make um i think i like this movie the same as mrs doubtfire or maybe even more than mrs doubtfire yeah. Uh, in some ways, just because I think Tim Allen's perform—I mean, Robin Williams is so good as Mrs. Doubtfire, so it's hard to compare. But um, Tim Allen's delivery of the co- like the comedic lines and stuff like mm-hmm. that is so perfect. I, like I can't even imagine anyone else doing it better than he does. Yeah. So he, I would agree with he that. He embodies Scott Calvin so much. Yeah, this uh, movie is—I mean, there's just so many different parts in this movie that just make it enjoyable to watch over and over again. Yeah. I mean, it has all the qualities of a movie that you come back to over and over again. Yeah. If nothing else, just because of, of the Santa lore that they do in this. Mm-hmm. So, so if you've not seen the movie or haven't seen it in a while, let me, we'll kind of refresh your memory. You know, he, he basically not directly, but he kind of kills Santa yeah. like, in the first 20 minutes of the movie. And puts on the suit and coat, you know, you're the big guy, right? So he becomes Santa slowly over the course of the movie. He kind of slowly transforms into Santa. Doesn't really even believe in Santa at the beginning of the movie. Um, and, and yet uh, wants to keep that childlike 
faith and wonder in his mm-hmm. in his kid and his new stepdad or soon to be stepdad is you know doing everything he can to, <laughs> to pull that out of him and like yeah. help him grow up too fast and the movie essentially becomes um kind of a you know a um a pr- proof of of concept for him like that I really am santa and I really am going to do this but also uh legitimizing um his son's you know belief in santa but i think what is at this time of year why it's infinitely rewatchable is all of the questions about Santa that kids ask, like, Oh yeah. How's the, how do the reindeer fly? What if they don't have a chimney at their house? How does Santa get into that? You know, like all these, how does he visit all those kids in one one night, one night? Um, and kudos to this movie. They answer every question Mm -hmm. that they pose. Like there's maybe lingering other lingering questions. Like I honestly probably could answer in the Santa Claus two and three, but like I going back to this one, I was like, man, they nailed it. Like yeah. they nailed the, the doubt, but also the answer to the doubt. Like they, they t- tied a, no pun intended, a, a nice little bow around every mm-hmm. question. So yeah, it's really good. Um, what are some of your favorite, like funny moments? Well, of course, right off the bat, you, get uh charlie coming to visit dad he doesn't want to visit him and (laughs) so the scene with his mom right before he is leaving is making sure that she's going to be there first thing in the morning because it's just (laughs) agonizing that she that he has to spend and one of my favorite sticks throughout the movie is the whole gag about um Neil being a psychiatrist and he calls himself a doctor, but (laughs) in Scott's eyes, he's not a real doctor. But one of my favorite scenes right off the bat is, which it's kind of like jingle all the way where he's trying to get there in a hurry. And the only difference in jingle all the way, he's actually in a traffic jam. But in this movie, you see Scott Calvin, on the interstate all by himself. And he's just like, wow, a 15 car pile up. That, that's why. And he's just like, you wouldn't believe traffic. <laughs> um, I think he's, he's kind of like Robin Williams in, in, in Doubtfire as well. It's kind of like this kind of a jerk of a dad. Like oh yeah. He's, I mean, his Sar- own kid, his own kid doesn't even want to be in his house. Yeah. Sarcasm. That, both of the characters are very sarcastic. Yeah. I you're right about the the teasing of of Neil. Neil is the stepdad psychiatrist. Um man, he literally never stops making fun of him to his face. Like he's at their house like just ripping him into shreds and Neil has like no comeback for anything. It's so funny to me. And the whole thing with the sh- his sweaters, <laughs> yeah. the whole uh movie is great and then um I think one scene that people will always remember is him burning the turkey and them them going to Denny's. Yeah. And he's like, it's an American establishment. And then they go in and there's all these Chinese guys having a meeting. <laughs> yeah. And so that's hilarious. And then they're and, basically... And Charlie's like, uh, those flames were really big, Dad. <laughs> and then they get the burn the turkey section. Yeah. It's <laughs> like putting it out with a fire extinguisher. And then we meet uh, Julie or Judy. Yeah. And Judy the waitress, not Judy the elf. Oh, right, right. And so, I mean, that's 
it just gets off to a great start. Yeah, this movie's instantly funny. Like within the first five minutes, you're already laughing mm-hmm. for sure. Um, his kind of sto- backstory, the character is he's like, I don't know, he's not CEO, but he's like the planning guy or whatever yeah. for this toy company. He came up with the idea for this doll that's like made them all rich. They, they you know, talk about like he works one day a year, like he's got it made in the shade and this, you know, he works on the 52nd floor of this huge building probably. Yep. And so, um, you know, he is because of that, it's kind of callous. And he's like, there's one scene where he's like, it's like, um, take your parents to school day, like, you know, show and tell for your parents or whatever, (laughs) whatever they call that. And, and, you know, at that point, uh, Charlie is just convinced that his dad is Santa. That's his new job. Now he's, he's Santa. And he's, he's like, no, I'm like Santa. I, you know, I'm, I'm jolly. I only work one, one day a year. <laughs> you know, that's what he means. I'm like Santa. Um, so that's kind of his, I, I think it's really clever how they set him up as like a guy that pushes toys to a guy that delivers toys. Like yep. it, it was really neat. Uh, that kind of juxtaposition. I also really liked the psychiatrist part. I think was really smart writing as well. Like, um, because so much of the movie is about Charlie appearing psychotic. And so his, his stepdad is, is trying really trying to convince all the adults around him that I've got this, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna help my new son, my stepson mm-hmm. to not be crazy anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, to knock some sense into him basically. But, you know, of course, Charlie's telling the truth the entire time. Mm-hmm. And you know, the psychiatrist is the hardest to convince. So yeah, I think it's brilliant. Like character yeah. character placement, um, all the writing's really good. Um, let's talk, let's talk about the CGI a little bit because I, I watched a little bit of, of the towards the end of the movie with you um, right before we recorded. I don't think it's that bad. I, it's, no. it's I mean it's ninety four, so like you're gonna get ninety four visuals, but yeah, it's it's very passable for. I mean, when this movie was made, and I mean since we've been doing this podcast, we've seen way worse. Oh yeah. Than this. And I mean, the, we already talked about before we started recording how he like sucks down into the chimney. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's, I mean, it's not awful. It's not the worst thing I've seen. I I think it's 2021. It it actually, there's parts of it actually look kind of good. Like, yeah, I, I was actually surprised. Um, and then uh, again, another comparison to Doubtfire, but uh, the makeup and costuming is like unbelievable. I, I don't mm-hmm. even know how they did. Like, there's that scene. We'll get to the. Uh, we can talk about it now if you want. The doctor scene, I think, is one of the most iconic. Is it was all, all the trailers for the movie when it came out, um, where he's like, "Does this look like a little weight to you?" And he's like, actually jigging, jiggling what looks like a real real belly. Yeah. Now he's he's you know he's got a t-shirt, a white beater t- or whatever from you know basically the top of his gut up to the top mm-hmm. of his chest. And so they're hiding some of the makeup, I guess, with that or whatever. But it looks real. Like I, I mean, again, they did that with Doubtfire too. But like, I, I was just amazed at how good that stuff still looks. It doesn't look yeah. pla- like plastic. It looks like real skin. Like mm-hmm. I don't know how they did some of that stuff, but it looks really good. Um, <laughs> speaking of like the weight and stuff like that, uh, I love that whole exchange with him, him and the doctor. Again, a lot of it was in the trailer, but uh, before you went to go see it in theaters, but you know, he's, is this a little weight for you? And the doctor's like, he says something like, you know, it's natural for people to, their weight to fluctuate from year to year, you know, throughout the year, wherever he's like, 
he's like, you're making it sound like I'm retaining water. I, just, I gained 45 pounds in a week. <laughs> he walks into the boardroom that one yeah. time. <laughs> and then he's like, and they ask him, how fast does facial hair grow? <laughs> I think a lot of the best humor in the movie is just the ridiculousness. Like, what would you say? What yeah. would you do if like, you just saw this guy yesterday, he comes into the boardroom for a meeting and he's, a balloon, a, you know, he he passes it's Tim Allen typical humor, but he passes off as like man beasting. Who knew I was allergic? You know, it's like his whole belly has blown up. You know, yeah, and he's just so witty. His character is very witty. Yeah, because he talks about how the laundromat goes up in smoke <laughs> and all of his clothes have been burned. Yeah, it was a big B. Yeah, it was a really big one. Um, yeah, I I love all that stuff. It's so funny because I mean. You know, if you're listening to this, you've probably worked in an office or know people who have, or, you know, your wife or husband works in an office or whatever. It's just, it's so, I don't even know what I would say. Like, I, I, I would just be like, what is going on? Like, what, what kind of trick is he trying to pull on us? So, um, and then the, here's one, one, uh, thing I, I definitely did not remember correctly about the movie. I thought there were a lot more scenes with him being Santa like performing Santa's duties. Mm. I must be thinking of the sequels because I've seen all three of them. I'm sure yeah. you have too. I mean, there there's a lot more Santa time in two and three. Okay. I mean, I feel like this one's kind of like a transformation or like it. I mean, we talk about Marvel stuff all the time. It's mm-hmm. basically an origin story. Right. And the other two, he pretty much is Santa well, the third one, not really, but in the second one, it's pretty much Santa the whole time. Yeah, I must be thinking of some scenes from that movie. They do kind of blend. I yeah. mean, I've, it's been so, I haven't seen any of these movies in like over a decade. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, they're all kind of blending together in my mind. But yeah, about two thirds of the way th- through the movie, I was like, wow, he still hasn't like delivered any presents or anything. Like, yeah. I, I was like, yeah, I kind of forgot how much of this movie is just him living in his city like mm-hmm. he basically becomes santa on christmas night clearly i yeah. you know he watches santa die <laughs> falls off the roof and die right in front of him he disappears the you know the the clothes go flat on the ground and he picks him up and then you know i don't even remember why he he does he goes through the motions but he's like okay I'll, you know let's let's ch- check out this oh he gets he gets in the sleigh and then he's like he's like he's like come on charlie let's go whatever but let's go is like the keyword for the radio yep. to take off and so, and of course he, you know, picks up the bag and, you know, it's like Mary Poppins into the, into the chimney and all that. But, um, so he kind of gets sucked into it that mm-hmm. first night. But then like what I forgot was for the next 11 months, he doesn't even touch the North pole. Like yep. he just lives his life, um, in his town and, you know, his main job for 11 months of the year is basically to create the list, mm-hmm. you know, not your nice. So yeah, I'd forgotten all of that. But, um, yeah, it's a very fast paced movie as well, too. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, even if you strike the credits, it's, it's like an hour and a half, mm-hmm. but that, that time flew by when I was watching it. Like, yeah. again, a lot of that's a testament, testament to how much fun I was having, but, um, a lot of it is just there's, um, there's just a lot of, of, uh, scenes of him like coming to grips with, he's in denial for half of the movie and him, you know, trying to understand all this stuff. Um, you know, his beard is growing like crazy. He's gaining weight. Um, he's hungry all the time. And then, 
and then he's the miraculous starts happening like he sees kids on the street and he knows their names and what they want and you know for Christmas kids are coming to him in the park and like sitting on his lap <laughs> telling him what they want for Christmas yeah so like it's there's a lot of story to tell and the pacing in this movie is like perfection mm-hmm. like it, it never lets up um it's really really good um <laughs> I, I so one of my favorite characters in any Christmas movie um it's not like he's like a particularly like funny. I just think I, when I think of elves in North pole and stuff like that, I think of Bernard. I oh just, yeah. I just do every time. Like I, I, a lot of people think of Will Ferrell, you know, but I, I honestly, half the time I think of Will Ferrell, the other half, I think of Bernard. Like he, to me, maybe it's his size <laughs> compared to like all the kid children and yeah. actors that are around him. But he just stands out to me as like this quintessential Christmas elf. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's got kind of got that Bostonian kind of New York. Don't mess with me kind of attitude. Yep. And I remember he has a much bigger role in the second film, but um, he's great in this. Like he's like, yeah, he, he definitely is one of those characters that make this movie very likable. And um, he plays off of, Tim Allen very well in this movie. Oh yeah. Um, I love, I, I got to share a few favorite lines and if you have any that you want to mention, um, there's a scene where it's right after the school scene where he basically, you know, told, told the kids I'm not Santa or whatever, yeah. but like, um, they're kind of seeking an injunction against him. It gets kind of legal. Like in, there's a point where like a judge says you can't see your kid anymore. Like it gets kind of serious in a couple spots, but there's this one scene where they're meeting with the principal <laughs> and um, it almost turns in like an interrogation point where he's like, he's like, you know, Scott, you know, what did, what did you do last night right before you guys went to bed? Cause he keeps cl- claiming, Charlie keeps claiming that they went to the North pole. And of course that can't be real. And so he's like, you know, what did you guys actually do? And he's like, he's like, well, Neil, we shared a bowl of sugar, did some shots of brown liquor, played with my shotguns, field dressed a coat, look for women. I read him a book. <laughs> what book? <laughs> it's like um, the answer to that was like some like adult book, like or Property Women or something yeah. like that. <laughs> He's like, no, it was like towards the night before Christmas. <laughs> his sarcasm is really good. Yeah, I, and that's his character in the other movies as well. But Tim Allen obviously was born to play that role mm-hmm. for um, sure. His stand-up was really good too, and. Um, one of my favorite, which this goes with the sarcasm where he's getting interrogated by the police chief. And he's like, when I say name, you say Scott Calvin. And then he just goes through all the names of Santa Claus, starts with Santa Claus and ends up at Papa Shishol. And I don't know what country that is, but I love that. Man. Yeah. So, I mean, that's just comical and um i mean there are so many lines that tim allen says throughout this movie where you're just like that is gold yeah he's he's always funny like there's there's a couple serious scenes where they have to have him play real straight but um yeah he's i don't know his his delivery is just like it's it's otherworldly like and then his first scene with bernard is priceless because he just doesn't want anything to do with this. And you can tell that Bernard's frustrated with him too because, I mean, obviously he's had this happen several times before. Yeah. Um, And it's just, I mean, he goes through all these names for him and then eventually calls him Barabbas. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> and so, I mean, they just, I feel like the characters of Bernard and Neil, they both play off of, um, and the mom as well. I feel like all three of those characters play off of Tim Allen very well. Yeah. And um, they did a very good job casting for this movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that I'd really even seen many. I don't know that to this day I've seen those actors in a whole lot else. I, I know I've seen them in just one or two other things, but um, yeah, brilliantly, brilliantly casted. Um, they they got a lot of kids in this movie too. Like when they go up to the North Pole, yeah. um, you know, the elves are 1,200 years old or whatever, but they look like children still. And yeah, there's a ton of kids that they had to cast for the for the movie as well, and it it looks really good. Um, yeah. Um, really, my I only have one negative, and it's it's really it's it's really kind of nitpicky, but um, I don't know that I buy the motivation coming from Mom and Neil very much. Sometimes, sometimes it does make sense. Sometimes I feel like it's getting a little ham-fisted. Um, there's their basically their motivation overall is they want mom keeps talking about how keep him grounded. Like don't let him, you know, fly too high in the air. They don't want him to, to go off the deep end with believing in Santa. Like he's really taking it too far. Mm-hmm. And so, but like that, their response to that is to like go to the judge and like, I don't know. It's a little, it seems a little extreme for what they think is really going on. If they truly believe that that's all that's happening to their son, they take some like really strong oh, legal yeah. action against for sure. Yeah. So now, Again, that's really nitpicky. This is ultimately a movie for kids. Um, it's a family film, and they don't have to make it super believable for people to enjoy it. I just, I, th- I do think there's a couple things that kind of fall apart when you really think about it too hard. Um, so I, I don't know that I even caught that when I, you know, watched this back in the '90s. But um, yeah, and then the movie basically ends with him, you know, fully embracing his new role as Santa and. Um, I think it's super cheesy, but um, Charlie's mom takes the the um, uh, whatever it's it, it's like the divorce papers or whatever. Like you know, you can't mm-hmm. you can't spend any more time. You know, it's not like a what do you call it when you can't go within like a hundred feet or whatever. A Restrain or it's not it's not like a restraining order type thing, but it is basically like you can't see your son anymore. Um, and she throws it in the fireplace and it burns up and. It's it's a very like '90s. We have to have a happy ending kind of ending, and it's it's a little cheesy. Um, Wouldn't have it any other way, Phil. Yeah, exactly. And Neil finally believes at the at the end. He's like he's like Scott, and kind of gives him that side eye, and he's like Santa, <laughs> Santa. <laughs> and he gets his weenie whistle at the end, which he really wanted when he was a kid, never got. Uh, Mom gets the mystery date game. Um, so, yeah. Everybody has a happy ending. And Charlie gets a snow globe and he can see his dad whenever he wants. Is there something like that in Elf? Am I, am I making that up? There's nothing in Elf that's like, take this object to like remind you of me or whatever. I don't think so. Okay. I, I must just be thinking of Santa Claus then. But I think the snow globe is very iconic as well. Like when you think yeah. of these movies, you, you probably think of the snow globe at some mm-hmm. point. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on 1994's The Santa Claus? No, not really. Um, I mean, obviously, if you uh, haven't seen 
this movie. I would definitely say it's a must watch. And that doesn't, I mean, some people will say, I mean, there's three of them. But I would definitely say just because you watched the first one doesn't mean you have to be inclined to watch the other two. Yeah, I think this movie stands alone for sure. I think that the other movies are just as funny and uh, really enjoyable stories to to watch as well. I, I, I honestly, I remember, I think I even said this last week on the program, but I... I do always, I've always remembered this movie fondly. I knew it was one of my favorite films, but I also haven't seen it in over a decade. And so I was starting to doubt that a little bit. I was like, I, I wonder if, I wonder if this movie really holds up as well as I think it does. And again, watch it today. And it, the answer is it totally does. It completely holds up. That movie is just as enjoyable today as it was um, before. There, there's not, you want, go back and watch some, like some like nineties films and it just feels nineties. It feels like, you know, they're using like super old, Clunk, you know, huge cell phones or talking about, you know, nineties bands or it's, it just feels like a product of its time. This mm-hmm. movie kind of feels timeless. Like it, it really could, could have been made in just about any decade. Um, it, it's, it's yeah, really well crafted and really, really well done. Yeah. I so, would agree with that completely. So yeah, watch it again. If, if you haven't seen it again, I would say absolutely give it another watch. And, um, I think I was watching it, finishing it up tonight and Jessica, leaned over to me and kind of whispered. She's like, do you think uh, Jordan could watch this film? And I think, and I told her, I said, I think from a, she's five mm-hmm. uh, from a content perspective, there's no, there's no like swearing, cussing things that we want to keep her innocent on. Still, there's none of that in there. There's obviously nothing adult going on. Um, there's no like bad habit forming stuff. There's no, uh, it's not really any violence of any kinds except Santa falls off the roof. And so it, there's, isn't any reason that I would not want her to, to see this movie except that, and I might give you this warning if you have like really young kids, there is a lot of talk about how Santa isn't real in the movie. And so because Jordan still believes, um, right now at her age, we probably won't show this to her for a while, like yeah. for a, a year, another year or two. Um, you know, kids tend to kind of grow out of that belief, you know, around six, seven, eight, kind of in that range. So I, I think we might just wait until she starts to come out of that belief in Santa before showing it to her. Because I think even though the movie is clearly the premise, the, the conclusion of the story is Santa is real. Yeah. There is a lot of doubt throughout the movie. Is Santa really actually real? And those are qu- questions. We're just not, we're not ready for her to lose that innocence yet. So. Hey Phil, Neil stopped believing in Santa at the age of three. That's right. <laughs> when he did get his <laughs> winnie whistle, <laughs> he's a very serious kid. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So that, that's my only caution is like, if you have really little kids, just be aware like, the movie movie might get them to ask questions that you're not ready for yeah. them to ask. So, anyway. and there's plenty of jokes that the kids won't get. Oh so. yeah, yeah, definitely. So yeah, definitely, definitely recommend from both of us. Uh, Grant, what else have you been watching on Disney Plus? Yet another week where you didn't. Have we time, watched have time. Uh, Home Alone two. Okay. Lost in New York. That's a that's a recurring. That's like a regular rotation uh-huh. thing. Yep. Um, Love that movie. It's great. Um, what's your what? What's a couple of your favorite scenes from that movie? Because I remember loving it too. I just I haven't seen it in a long, long time. The brick scenes hilarious. Where Kevin's literally, I don't know, like two or three stories above Marvin Harry and just chucking bricks <laughs> at him. And okay. Marv Harry 
keeps ducking out of the way and Marv just gets impaled like four different times with a brick. And um, it's the bird lady. Yeah. And the other favorite scene is where he's watching uh, the sequel to angels with filthy eyes (laughs) and it's called angels with filthier eyes. And um, he basically, or there's the scene where he's, basically making the hotel employees basically feel like it's like a hostage situation <laughs> and it's just so funny. And, but my favorite all time favorite scene is the Christmas play. I don't, and I don't remember this. They all go to this. I mean, it might be at their church, but buzz and Kevin and the redheaded brother who's never given a name. Uh-huh. It, they're all in this Christmas program, and Kevin has a solo in this. Okay. And when it get, they're all holding these candles, and when it gets to his turn, Buzz takes his other brother's candle and just starts like playing the drums on like Buzz's head. And at this point, everybody's just dying hysterically, and they're just laughing at Kevin as he's singing. <laughs> and then he turns around and sees Buzz like. Well, Buzz quickly like acts like he's not doing anything, and then Kevin like punch pushes him, and all the kids like fall off the stage. But the one scene of this is they they have an older, bigger lady playing the piano, and a Christmas tree gets knocked over, and it literally knocks <laughs> the lady off of the piano bench off the stage, and it's just <laughs> humorous. And then. Straight after that, they're basically having like a trial where Kevin and Buzz are talking about um, what happened. And then Buzz apologizes, which it's all made up stuff. And then he walks by Kevin and he's like, beat that, you little trout sniffer. <laughs> and then Kevin, of course, goes into full Kevin mode. And But I mean, it's a... It's another must-watch yeah, yeah. during the holiday season. I, I I don't know that I would still feel this way anymore because I, I have seen the first one like, I don't know, thir- 13 or 14 times. I, I think I've seen the second movie maybe three times or something. Yeah. But I remember when it came out, and again, a lot of it's recency bias or whatever, but I remember as a kid saying the second one's definitely better than the first one. And I that's probably not a very popular opinion anymore. Yeah. And I don't know that I would even agree with that today. Um, if I, I'd have to watch them both back to back and then you know see which one I actually like more. But I remember like the world building that they did was it, the the first one. I think the Alien. I know this is a weird <laughs> comparison to make, but the Alien franchise is very similar to this. Like okay. where like the first Alien movie literally takes place on a spaceship, and that's it. It's very small in scope. They did it on a very small budget they made the second movie and it really expands. They did a lot more with it. They knew people were going to come back for the sequel. I feel like home alone two is like that too. Like mm-hmm. he's in central park. He's all over the place. Like, in, or is, I don't know what it, maybe it's not central park, but he's in it a, is central. Okay, park. He's in a park with a bird lady and all that. Like, um, and you know, um, Donald Trump and the hotel. It's like, there's so many different scenes and set pieces sets, like all everything like doubled or tripled in scale from the first movie. And I just remember being really impressed with that as a kid. I don't know that that would impress me as much anymore, but um, that's what I remember from seeing it. It's been a very long time since yeah. I've seen the second one. So yeah, 
I might have to check that one out. I this would be the year that I would like just not even watch the first one, because um, I don't have a regular rotation of movie. There, I mean, we have a five year old and a baby, so like our regular rotation is like Arthur Christmas and Mickey Christmas and like the animated stuff. That's those are the ones we watch every year. Um, eventually, we'll get to the point where we watch the first Home Alone every single year, but um, we're holding off on that one too. So, all right. Um, anything else? No. Nope. You want to talk about that? Is it? Okay. Um, I keep put, putting off making of Black Widow and, and making of What If because they're interesting to, to talk about, but I keep watching new stuff every every week, and I'm just trying to save those for when like I didn't have any time to watch anything else. But I have to talk about the rescue. So um, this was the I I still haven't even watched part two and three of the Beatles. I'm I am going to finish the Beatles get back documentary off, but this documentary came out and I've been so high on documentaries this year. I don't know what has changed in my brain, but I love documentaries now. And, uh, this is, I'm becoming old. Phil. I know I'm, I'm an, I'm a boomer now. Um, and I mentioned that uh, in our last segment on every show we do, what's coming up on Disney plus. And I remember reading this going, man, I really want to watch that, but I probably won't have time. I made time to watch it because I was very intrigued to see it. This is the national geographic, um, documentary. I think it just released everywhere, just all at the same time, Disney Plus and probably the National Geographic Channel or whatever, all at the same time. Of the 2018, uh, finding the the Thai boys in that cave um, mm-hmm. that filled up with water. And how much? What? How much of that story do you remember? Like not much. I, did you follow it? I remember like getting like the the headlines. Yeah, I mean, I remember hearing that this was happening. And I remember the day they got him out, and that's about it. Right. And one one thing, I'm not trying to correct you. I I I, I didn't know anything. I I think you probably followed it more than I did in 2018. I, I just like I went into this. I, I got to confess, I purposely did not look up the news stories of what actually happened because I wanted to be surprised. Mm-hmm. And that shows you how little I actually knew about the events. I think I think you know you previous you know previous to watching this knew more than I did. Um, they rescued the boys over like four days or something like yeah. that. So like the details of what went on and how they got them out, how they even came up with the ideas to get them out, all that stuff was all very surprising to me. It was not, almost nothing happened the way I expected it to happen during the course of the documentary. Um, I want to start just by saying it's very well shot. Um, if you're thinking this is going to be a lot of just like cheap camcorder in the middle of like mm-hmm. Thailand or whatever, it's, this is all like really professional 1080 HD video. It's, it's all really, really good. Of course it happened three years ago, but like you wouldn't expect them to have like really professional footage, yeah. but all of it's really, really good. They confess at the end, which I don't think it's, I don't think this is a bad thing to say at all, but that they, they resh- reshot. So like they had some of the, the act, I mean, not actors, the real people that did these feats of heroism, mm-hmm. uh, they flew them out to Thailand to do some reshoots of like, okay. you know, let's, um, let's, let's pretend like this is happening in real time, you know, to kind of fill in some of the gaps and footage that they didn't have, mm-hmm. um, which I think is fine. Like I, I, yeah. I, it was just cool just to see what they were up against. Um, I took like a couple paragraphs of notes that I'm just not going to read. I, okay. I'll, I'll give you just a couple of highlights because I really want you just to experience it for yourself if you're at all interested. But um, one, I'll t- give I'll give you a few surprises, and then we'll bounce off to the last segment. But um, one one thing I did not I had no idea about. I my impression of this cave was like, you know, they have to dive underwater for like 
three minutes, maybe okay. five minutes, whatever, to get to the kids, and mm-hmm. then dive five minutes out. It was one way from that mouth of the cave all the way to where the kids were was a two and a half hour swim. Can can you imagine that? It took them five hours to get all the way to the kids and all the way back. Five hours. I I couldn't believe it. Like they were talking about the, and it's you talk about the. Uh, they're talking in kilometers, but I'll translate it for like miles and stuff. But it's, it was like, it was only like, um, what did they say? It was like, so basically think of it, the letter T mm-hmm. the, the mouth of the cave is at the bottom of the letter T and it, it goes up. I think it quite literally goes North, um, up to the, to the T to the, the cross at the top of the, the letter T and, um, the, the cave goes to the right and it goes to the left. The the boys were to the left of the of the of the cross the the cross point, and they um, th- to get just get to the T was like zero point eight miles, which sounds like I mean that's not that you can walk zero point eight miles in mm-hmm. five minutes or yeah. ten minutes or whatever, but to swim it it took them like uh, it was over an hour to get yeah. to get there, and then from that point all the way to the end it was another like I think in total it was like over two miles of swimming. Think that about sounds off. I know, and, and like the, it's it's not like oh, I went for a swim in the pool, or mm-hmm. I went, or I went, even I went for, for a swim in the ocean. I went for a swim in a cave. So like, if you've ever been to like, we, we're from Missouri, so we we know a lot about caves. But um, these are not Missouri caves. <laughs> like these caves not only go forever, but they are once it fills up with water, you're going underwater and you don't come up at all like you have you're wearing a diving suit you're not coming up at all for 20 or 30 minutes at a time there are these rooms you know cave rooms whatever um which if you've ever been caving you know that like there's big big areas where it opens up inside the cave right Mm -hmm. um there's like eight of them that they had to go through just to get to where the kids were they were way way far recess when they find out when they found out how far back they were um they they were like it's impossible i we literally cannot get them out um so um here's Another big thing, I'm sure it was covered in the news, but I wasn't following the news. They, there were other people in the cave that were also missing. Did you hear about this? No, I did not. So they get to the T, the T point, whatever, which I think they said was like um, uh, room three or whatever. It was okay. like they had to go through eight rooms or whatever to get to them. And they, they, go, they surface and uh, take off their masks so they can breathe the air. And they they go oh that they shine their flashlight and it gl- it like uh, reflected off of something mm-hmm. and they hear voices and they're like oh we found him we found the kids nope it's like there was like four adults or something like that that were in there that were like um uh water workers they they were the work for, work for the city or whatever and they fell asleep on their shift oh my and they got caught they 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 were calling for evacuation. And on the radios or whatever, they didn't hear it, and they got they got caught in there. They weren't nearly as far back as as the soccer team where the where the kids were, but they were still stuck in there, and nobody knew they were missing. So like they, <laughs> the divers were going in there to, to find these kids, and they found other humans in there. What on earth? <laughs> so they go uh, they go in there, and now the the a lot of getting to that point, I think, did have like open air where like. Um, they could just kind of mask share with them. Like I'll, I'll breathe and yeah. hold my breath and then you breathe. And so they're like, um, we can, we'll, we'll get, we'll get you guys out. At one point they only had to, they were like, stay still. We'll do all the swimming. Just, you just basically cling on to me like a barnacle mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll get you out. They only had to do that for like, 
like 30 minutes or no, it was, it was less than that. I was like, what it, was it like three minutes? It wasn't very long at all. And they said that it was literally like they were fighting them the entire time because they were in constant panic mode. And wow. these, these are adults. These are, you know, 30 and 40 year old mm-hmm. men. Uh, and they were in constant panic mode. So when they got to where the kids were, they were like, how are we going to swim these kids out for two and a half hours? We could, we couldn't even get these men to calm down for even a few minutes, you know, two and a half hours is not going to work. So, um, I guess I'll spoil the ending of it. Uh, like how they did it. If you want to be surprised and watch it like I was, uh, you know, skip ahead 30, 30 seconds to a minute here, I guess. But, um, cause I found the reveal to be shocking, but, um, here's what they did to get the kids out. They sedated them. So hmm. they gave them, uh, some kind of oral uh, pill. They injected them, um, with something that basically it, I don't think it, well, I think they were essentially unconscious. They were out uh, for sure. Um, and then put a mask over them in their own uh, tank. And then basically uh, for two and a half hours, swam these bodies, uh, you know, sedated kids out one at a time. They only did, they only had time to do like four a day. And there hmm. was like um, 17 or 18, something like that. I can't remember the number. And uh, so it took like many days for them to do that. All the while, there's a lot to be said in the document that I'll, I'm kind of skipping over about how bad the monsoon was and yeah. how they, it basically, once it got really bad, they couldn't even go, they couldn't even dive because it's just like swimming up against a river. Like you're going upstream, like in yeah. a, like an underground stream. They couldn't have even pulled, pulled it off if they weren't like um, cutting off water lines and building dams. Like that, it was like a Herculean effort of like, they said like over a thousand people from all kinds of different countries. But the real heroes of the story, I'll end with this, is um, the the because the SEALs were brought in and the SEALs were like, we can't do this. It's impossible. And the Thai, the Thai government was not taking no for an answer. So they said, what if it's possible? Who else can we get? And they said, well, there's like this, there's like this sport. It's like a super bizarre, very like not top of mind sport out there called cave diving and like people do it around the world in Australia and UK and lots of places. Go figure. Yeah. And so they called up like some of like the most prominent cave divers in the world and said, would you guys all like stop what you're doing for a couple weeks and fly out to Thailand? And they were the ones that actually got the kids out. It wasn't the Navy SEALs. Um, which I found fascinating. Very interesting. It is very much the, the, the documentary is very much a hero story about these, nerds i mean it's, it's it's people that you know were not picked first for the basketball team growing up you know these guys that were recluse and not the hero type coming in and sacrificing everything to save these children so it's a it's a very feel-good movie it's also a very tense documentary to watch there's um if you don't know the ending <laughs> there's a, a couple spots here and there where you're um i, I really thought i was going to watch like a couple kids die um during the making of the documentary. So, wow. It's riveting. You get to see the kids in the cave, like in the back of the cave, like they still have all that footage, mm-hmm. uh, shared it on the documentary. So it's all, it's very well done. You'll hear a lot of people talking about it. Um, if they've seen it. So very cool. So yeah, that one's called the rescue. Okay. It, it just came out last week. All right. Uh, we're going to end with, um, what's new on Disney plus this week. Uh, we were recording this on, Tuesday, December the 7th, um, as by the time you're hearing this is, it's already, uh, December 8th, which is the first day we're going to talk about. So, uh, as you're hearing this, this comes out today, 
Um, Wednesday, December 8th. Uh, Welcome to Earth. Have you been seeing commercials for this? It's a documentary. Is the Will Smith one? Yeah. yeah. Did you guys watch the um, Michael Bublé special? No. The Michael Bublé did his Christmas special uh, thing. I think it was on last night. Okay. Um, and they had a commercial for this, uh, for Welcome to Earth. So I think... I think you might be able to see it in theaters. I can't remember what the end of the commercial was. I think it might have said on in theaters or in on select theaters or and on Disney Plus or something. Okay, but it might have just said Disney Plus. I know it definitely popped the logo at one point. Um, but yeah, it is Will Smith um, doing a National Geographic uh, documentary, and it's basically him going to like some of the Earth's greatest wonders, like the world mm-hmm. wonders um, yep. around the Earth, and like there's in, in the. I haven't watched like a full length trailer, but the short commercial that they had during the Michael Bublé special, it showed him just being like, like, I don't think he's acting. I think he's like literally blown away by what he's watching, by what he's seeing. Like, how is that real? Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you're just interested in kind of like, you know, the great wonders of the world and you like Will Smith, I, I think that's a shoe in. So, okay. Uh, Hawkeye episode four, of course, we're going to be covering that on next week's podcast episode. Uh, Disney Insider, episode 112, Star Wars action figures, a Beauty and the Beast anniversary, and Disney on Ice. I don't know where they come up with <laughs> the topics for these shows because those two things are very different from each other, but uh, that is coming out today on Wednesday the 8th. Uh, the Great Christmas Light Fight. What is this? Um, That's on ABC. It's a show that oh, it's, they have. It's had nine seasons. Yep. Is this? Uh, I guess it comes out at Christmas every year? Yep. What is it? It's a game show? No, it's just who has the better light display, pretty much. It says they, they compete to win $50,000. Yep. So, okay. So it's just like houses? Yeah, pretty much. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that uh, I guess that season is back in its entirety, I guess, on Disney Plus, coming out today. Uh, Chicken Squad, four more episodes of season one uh, for your five-year-old. Uh, Jordan will be excited to watch that. Um, Gabby Duran and the Unsittables, uh, season twelve or season two, 11 episodes. Um, that doesn't look like anything I'm interested in watching. Um, another National Geographic Life Before, I think it's National Geographic Life Before Zero or Life Below Zero, Northern Territories. Uh, stories of people, including First Nations people who live off the grid in remote regions of Northern Canada, how they spend their day to day lives. That hmm. sounds kind of interesting. Uh, Muppet Babies, four more episodes of season three. Spidey and His Amazing Friends, uh, four more episodes of season one. Jordan's been actually been waiting for more episodes of that. She'll be excited. And then uh, Wicked Tuna, Outer Banks, uh, 10 more episodes of season eight. I can't believe that show has been on that long. Um, but yeah, season eight. Okay, uh, here is the uh, release for uh, this Friday. There's only two. Okay, uh, thing, Phil. Things coming out on Friday, but the first one's a big one. Uh, Tron Legacy. Um, <laughs> this is the um, this is the the uh, more recent um, yeah, like w- one that came out, right? Two thousand tens ish. Yeah, two thousand ten so, exactly. Okay, good call. Um, let's see, starring Garrett Headlands, Jeff Bridges, Olivia Wilde, uh, Michael Sheen. Yeah, this is the the recent okay. uh, Tron movie. So, is this that that was almost certainly no? It's Disney. I was thinking it was Fox, but no, it's Disney. Walt Disney Pictures. Yeah, mm-hmm. 
I don't know why these movies are just now coming out to Disney Plus. Like, why why would that not have been on Disney Plus in its first year? That's a that's a weird one to me. Yeah, I don't know, Phil. So it's it's essentially a sequel to the original Tron. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam misses his father, a visual a virtual world designer, and enters a virtual space that has become more, much more dangerous than his father intended. Now both father and son embark on upon a life and death journey. Um, I don't remember this movie being terribly compelling. I uh, the reviews are kind of middling, um, but I don't I don't remember loving it. <laughs> but I could be remembering it wrong. Did you ever see the no twenty ten nope. Um, I did not feel, I mean the first, the first, the original movie, you know, that has a lot of the same, um, characters in it, just, you know, they're older now, um, is highly revered. I, you know, a lot of people really like the original Tron from uh, what the eighties, whenever that movie came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I, I didn't grow up watching Tron. So like, I don't have a lot of history with that, that, uh, that world. And so I I think I'd seen it once or twice and then went to go see the 2010 movie. I was like, okay, that was fun. But like, I I mean, it was entirely forgettable. I don't remember anything from it. So, um, but yeah, that, I mean, that is, it made $400 million. Like it's, that was a huge release. So it's coming to Disney plus on Friday. Um, and then the only other thing is Disney holiday magic quest. Um, I thought, I felt, thought this came out last week. This is the, yeah, this is the where they do have to do challenges at Walt Disney World attractions. Did this not come out last week? I thought we talked about it last week. Maybe it's just more episodes. Is of the that same a recurring show. show now? I don't know. They might just yeah, it might be releasing a new episode every week. Um, that's really bizarre. Hmm. Unless they just got the the website that we use might have just got the date wrong. Could be. Um. Yeah, it must have been because they they deleted it from last week. Oh, so, okay. Okay, so everything we said about that show last week is true. I think it's finally coming out this Friday. So it's a game show type of thing. Very cool. All right. Um, I think that is it for this episode. Uh, what are we watching for next week besides, obviously, Hawkeye episode four? We are going to watch I'll Be Home for Christmas. What is this movie? It is, I mean, it's a 90s movie. It has Jonathan Taylor Thomas. So we're getting, we get Tim Allen and now we're getting one of his sons on home improvement. Yeah. And then we get Jessica Beale. Oh, um, really? From Seventh Heaven. Wow. And then you get a bunch of other no-namers. Okay. This was a straight to Disney Channel? No, it, it went in theaters. Oh, it was in theaters. Okay. Yep. Okay, you ready for budget and box office? Sure. <laughs> Budget thirty million, so not a big surprise. Box office twelve million. <laughs> Wowza! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it did not come anywhere close to m- making its money back. Hey, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah, it. So again, thirty. Keep it that in mind. Thirty million dollars is what they spent. It made only three million, three point nine million in its opening weekend. Hmm. Its opening weekend, it was sixth at the box office. There were five <laughs> movies, probably including movies that came out like the week before. <laughs> Hey, that made more money than that. That, movie. that does not surprise me, but I do very much so enjoy this movie. Okay. All right. Well, I I won't spare you with some of the reviews <laughs> that I just scanned over just now. They're not very favorable, but uh, I will be excited to see uh, what you enjoy about this movie. So sounds good. I just assumed because I never heard of it. I just assumed it was a, a Disney Channel 
thing because I, I we didn't have as I've said many times on this podcast we didn't have Disney Channel in the late nineties and two thousands yeah. so but yeah Jessica Biel Jonathan Taylor Thomas I like those actors so let's check it out so next week we're gonna do obviously fourth episode of Hawkeye I'll be home for Christmas will be our second review uh, for next week staying with the the Christmas season uh, movie came out in nineteen ninety eight it's on Disney Plus and um, yeah we'll be I'm one of those I'm very excited to see <laughs> yeah <laughs> give you a hint it starts with an H um, so yeah uh, let us know what you want to hear about on this podcast or to send us your own review on something you've watched on Disney plus we'd love to include you in our show uh, we've done that for uh, Rick Ives and other listeners as well uh, Disney plus reviews at hotmail.com is a way to do that that's P-L-U-S all spelled out uh, together we will be back next time for some more Christmas stuff Uh, and some more Hawkeye and just fun conversations. 